Good morning, welcome to the Waking Up Thoughtcast, and happy motherfucking Sunday, pals, friends, I'm not gonna say comrades, cause ew, that's not what you do, that's, that's not how it goes, friends don't call friends comrades, <laughs> okay, that's not how it goes, but hey, you know what, so I, uh, you know, when you're kind of like, with someone or around someone, you kind of pick up little things that they do and you start trying to do things that they do. Anyways, that's that's what I do anyways. I'm a big emulator. And, uh, you know, every morning that Ryan and I would wake up, we'd have our coffee together and we have it differently. So he'll drink it black and put a few ice cubes in it so that it cools it down. Which, at first, I was like, um, what is this? What a weirdo. And then, you know, you're just like, okay, it just makes sense. So I started putting ice in his coffee for him in the morning. And this morning, you know, when I first make coffee, the first, like, 10 minutes or so, it's super hot. And then I can't drink it right away. But I want to have that first sip a lot sooner. So I've adapted the method of putting ice cubes in my coffee um, only two on my end because I put a splash of milk in mine and I don't want it too watered down, but two heart-shaped ice cubes is just totally, totally perfect. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's always so cute to me to pick up things that your significant other does that at first you're like, what is this? Oh, weird. And then you're like, oh, it's actually kind of smart. <laughs> it's not... Piping hot when you're putting the coffee to your mouth and there's less of a risk that it'll burn because that cold layer just melts and kind of sits on top. You know what I mean? Uh, for the first few minutes anyway. Eventually, it all mixes. But I can do this. And you know what? I didn't burn my fucking mouth. So, shout out to you, baby boo, for another great idea that I've stolen from you. That has made my life better. I tried to open this stupid application that I might have to have to open the task manager and stop it because it's just being a bitch. And it's uh, not responding. So, oh, cancel. No, I want to end Razor Synapse. There you go. I guess I can play with that. After I am done talking my face off because that's how it's going to go. Anyways, that little coffee trick. I thought that was cute this morning, you know, like, uh, it was just because it reminds me of waking up in the morning and having coffee together and yapping together in the morning. And that's just some super cute shit. Super cute. You can't even deny it. And if you're sitting there like me, it's because first of all, you need to not have that response. And second of all, you just need to find the same kind of deal. Okay. Don't hate the player, hate the game. (laughs) 
Anyway, you know, it's not often that I wake up and I'm like, oh shit, I know exactly what I want to talk about because I went out last night with my girlfriend, Victoria. She's like, I'm going to pick you up. We're going to go somewhere. And we went out and had some Starbucks and had something to eat. And we had a whole bunch of just robust conversations about so many things. And one of the things that we kind of touched on a little bit, well, actually it was a lot of bit, is um, working around people's crazy beliefs about life. You know what I mean? Like there's some people that you like generally, let's just start here. Generally, I don't like the idea (coughs) of being a catalyst in any way to bad beliefs. So because of that, I'm not really afraid to ruin a relationship by just being honest about something. You know what I mean? If you're going to ask or if you want to have a discussion about something that I don't align with you on, I'm not going to pretend to align with you just to make you comfortable or to avoid conflict because I, I just don't like that. And also, I just like to... The story I tell myself is that I like to be as close to reality as possible just because it makes life easier in the long run to have that relationship with reality. Tenuous is most people's relationship with reality, and I, as difficult and challenging as it can be and as resistant as I can be in the beginning to some things, I generally like to keep it real and just deal with problems honestly so that I can look at them honestly and so that I can, you know, come up with solutions that are going to be conducive to solving whatever problem may have arisen at any point like with um you know because I watch house and stuff and you you realize that that's a place where people's really weird beliefs kind of come out especially if you're ill and you're near death or whatever the case may be when you're at a hospital it's especially prominent that there are very big differences in people's beliefs and um you know, I know I generally prefer or would prefer to take a hard line against anything that kind of goes against my sensibilities. But you start to recognize that sometimes a person is so likable that you're, you find a, a mental workaround for whatever it is they believe because it's like, well, it doesn't really affect our friendship day to day. It's not really going to change anything um, in the long run because it's not something that either person brings up. Maybe a, a little facet of it comes up in some conversation, but really it's one of those things that kind of makes you go, oh, well, it's kind of stupid you said that, but also I'm going to negotiate with my brain and conclude that it's not worth really ruining a friendship or relationship over like obviously it's been quite a bit of time at this point and sometimes you don't really get to know people's weird crazy beliefs about whatever the thing is whether it's some strange superficial superficial superstitious thing that they believe or whatever it is you know healing crystals or or you know oh god is watching me or whatever the thing may be um You find workarounds, you really do. And uh, it's interesting to contrast that with just how I personally have behaved on the internet before, you know, where it's like, oh, if you believe this, we can't this. It just kind of makes me like those people who are like, no, I'm for humans, but not for these humans. It's like, nah, you either team human or you're not. And every single human being, even the person who might seem or come off the smartest, has some weird biases or some weird beliefs 
you know, like there's just a propensity within us to believe weird kind of magical mystical shit. It's fun. And also it's just, it's, it's just, there's obviously something there. Cause I mean, there's things that I know happen where, you know, the, the thought is like, oh, that's karma just as a response. Like that's just something we're used to either hearing and we may not necessarily believe it, but we believe something like it, right? Because it's just good when things come full circle or when we tell ourselves things come full circle because it's a completion of some sort of narrative or something. And that's a comfort thing that our brain likes. Ooh, it's a completed story. I like it. Ooh, it's a completed event that that started at this point and is now, you know, you know what I'm trying to say, right? We just like to see things play out in a way that would make sense to us, whether it's believable or not sometimes. And sometimes we think what goes around comes around. It's a nice little thing to believe, but it's not always true. Karma is kind of a weird, it's, it's an interesting thing just because <clears throat> of what I just went through and I'm just about to totally go on and repeat myself. You know what I mean? Because uh, that's what happens at 5.30 in the morning. Morning excuse. Yo, that's what we don't do. But I, in general, on my end, especially if I'm interacting with people interpersonally, don't like to... Holy shit, I hear that rain outside, and I hope I know where my umbrella is because I'm a little bit freaking out because I can't really remember where I put it. But where was I? Oh, right. In, in my interpersonal relationships or when I talk or whatever, I'm generally under the, the, the set and setting mentally that I put myself in is that I'm able to say whatever, even if it <clears throat> goes against something that you hold so dearly and believe. And I'm always up for discussion. I'm always up to talk about things, but other people are not. And they do get a little emotional about the things they believe because for some reason, we've fallen into this trap, and I'm not saying I haven't, where what we believe becomes a part of our identity. And Victoria and I were talking yesterday about how, you know, it's interesting based on some of the ideas that people have that cluster together and not necessarily because they have been forced to be clustered together into an ideology or what have you but just because certain things seem to group together, right? It's like, if you are on the left, people are automatically going to assume about you that you are good with abortion, you're for immigration, like just certain things like that, just because certain things clump together or are purposely clumped together, which can confuse things. At the end of the day, what it really is, is every idea needs to be looked at individually on its own and should be able to stand individually by its own merits which is pretty dust stuff for anyone who's probably listening to this like hello yeah but you know I find like it's just useful to have conversations to affirm the things that you believe to work things out with somebody especially with when you have friends who are willing to sit and have kind of discussions with the kind of discussions with you where you're actually picking apart the things that you do believe, the the things that essentially 
animate your behavior if you do truly believe them and just making sure that parts of the thing that you believe make sense and it makes sense to continue to hold an idea considering the circumstances around you or whatever you know what I mean like when you're in a zone in your life where you're kind of like I want to make changes I want to make improvements here it means you have to look at a lot of things that you believe and a lot of the time like right now I find every like couple months I find out something about myself that kind of changes the way that I believe or makes me a little bit more I don't know lenient I guess towards what other people believe because now I've recognized that I believe something super stupid that makes no sense to believe but I believe it for whatever reason and until I can just shed that and let go of it I'm uh the the easiest way to do that is to kind of talk about it and have a, a feedback post which is why it's great to have friends who you can talk to about things like that and you know it sparks a whole bunch of thoughts too oh okay well is this thing worth causing an issue over in your relationships or in your friendships or whatever? Is it worth causing a disruption? Is it worth having a conflict? I don't know. I'm, I think I'm, I'm leaning more towards a mind of, yeah, it's worth having conflict. And uh, I know a lot of people run away and kind of avoid that. But there's always information that you will get that you do not get while you're in conflict. Um, it reveals aspects of a person that are not revealed in any other way. It's a tense and stressful situation that both people are locked into a tight 69 about, and you can't really let go of the lock until you figure it out. I mean, if it's a relationship worth keeping, of course, it can easily be one of those things you walk away from. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about workarounds for people that, you know, some people just stick around in your life, you know them for a long time, and it's it's been a pretty, pretty all right relationship, you know, sometimes you have people that you're not totally super tight with in your life too, um, and it's it's just, I like to consider those things, just because I find that every year, I think my pool of friends just gets smaller. And I think that's a good thing. I think as you refine and and kind of self-identify and actualize a little bit more and recognize the things that you value and don't value, what tends to happen or what I've seen in my life kind of happen is that people who don't share the same values tend to naturally just diverge away. We diverge away from each other. And I think that's for an obvious reason. You know, if you don't, it's a lot easier to get along with people who share the same core principles and values as you. And you're more likely to have a successful relationship, friendship, whatever. I mean, relationship in a broad sense when I say that word, just to be clear, because I know I've been talking about my my whole lovey-dovey situation quite a bit. So I just wanted to clarify and make sure that that's clear. Um, for any relationship that you're having. I lost my train of thought. Mother fudger. It's okay. Maybe it's time for another sip of coffee, yeah? Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like. 
Huh. Anyways, all I'm saying is that it's very useful to be able to sit down with a friend and just kind of go over things like that, you know? Um, we've had some pretty crazy people in our lives who we often reflect on, you know, old best friends and old relationships and all that kind of stuff. It's a good way to reinforce the correct behavior is to look at the choices that brought you bad things and to make sure you remind yourself of the choices you made, of the kinds of people that made you feel a certain way so that you're not again and again running to the same type of people that you just have an inclination towards because of A, B, C, X, Y, Z reasons from the years you spent together or your childhood or whatever the F the thing is. It's good to remind yourself and have those conversations. It's good to remind yourself what kind of people relationships are working with right now that you're seeing success in so you can multiply or duplicate that. You know, um, it's, it's nice to, with people especially, we always conclude the same thing, Victoria and I. Quality is way more important than quantity. And being able to sit down with someone and just work out shit, yeah, it's repetitive. Yeah, it's, it's redundant. Actually, I don't think it's redundant, to be honest. I think repetition and positive reinforcement is a good thing, especially if you're interested in not, or if, if you're interested in overtaking a pattern previously there that isn't serving you anymore, you have to do it with a, with a pattern that works better and that's more effective, and that's more positive and conducive and in line with the values that you hold. But I feel like I'm preaching now, and uh, maybe I kind of am, and I don't mind. It's uh, always a fun thing to kind of acquire information and then share that. You know what I mean? Um, I know that when I listen to a podcast or listen to a friend and they iterate something that I've said already in their own quirky way or whatever, I always appreciate it because the the core principle underneath that is the exact same as I'm thinking. And it's like, oh, good, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not alone. I'm glad that somebody that I see and consider smarter than me, sharper than me, has the same type of thoughts as me. Um, just because I've assessed it so many times and it seems like the best way to go. For now, that might change. Everything is subject to change. Any good idea is subject to become a bad idea in the right circumstance and vice versa. And that's why things kind of need to be looked at separately. You know, I think people, we have a tendency to clump and cluster things together. It makes it easier for us to remember things. Memory is associative but it can certainly be a trap as well, you know. Um, some of the features of our brain can really be a big trap. A birthday cake with a bear trap inside. <laughs> hmm. It's great and cool, but it doesn't come without its problems. And um, I think the way to figure all these things out whether it's a social situation or, or a touchy topic or just dealing with your own brain, it's you got to find workarounds around things that are, around things that are difficult to change and around 
things and mechanisms that work a certain way that you're not going to change, but there are certainly ways to work around them. So, you know, reach around and work around. Sometimes that's what you got to do. And it is what it is. And you might be in a bit of an awkward position while you're doing that. But hey, you know what? Things sort out eventually. And I, th- I think generally, it's nice to be optimistic. And uh, yeah, sometimes like, you know, I tell myself, I'm realistic. I'm realistic. And some of the things I say, like <laughs> my friend Victoria yesterday, she's like, you know, I don't know. I think sometimes the way that you communicate might be a little abrasive. Like you might need to be, you might need to be a little bit more aware of how maybe you're phrasing a certain something or saying a certain something. And, you know, I think that there are certain situations in which that is absolutely correct. But there's so many, 98% of the time, I just want to hand something to you Occam's razor style. I'm not interested in lathering it with fat or anything. I just want to give you the meat and I just want to deal with that because maybe you're supposed to feel the punch. Maybe when someone slaps you in the face with a raw chicken breast, it's not supposed to feel good and you're supposed to feel it and it's supposed to be a little bit unpleasant and sticky and gross so that you see what it is you're dealing with here. (laughs) that's all I'm saying, okay? I'm not into that sugarcoating shit because I don't want that. I don't want to be treated like I'm a baby. Um, I feel like I'm a fully capable person. I can deal with challenging and difficult information. And when people candy coat or sugarcoat things, I feel like, A, that's probably how you want information because I don't think you need to pad it for me. And B, by patting it for me, you're doing me a disservice. You're not letting me take the brunt of the hit that I'm supposed to feel and learn how to deal with full force. You know, um, life doesn't care about how you feel. Life doesn't care about how you're gonna feel. It just happens and you just deal with it. And I don't like this culture or this part of the culture that's developing where feelings are more important than the facts on the ground. You know, we are organisms that adapt to our environment. We are supposed to be able to adapt to truths and difficult information, (coughs) not the other way around. So that that message is out there at all and in any capacity where, oh, no, you don't adapt. You have to you get people around you and everything around you to change to bend to your feelings and your sensibilities to make you comfortable. I hate that shit. I want to be an adapter, you know, an adapter, a move forwarder, a move forwarder, y'all. That's what I want to do. Move ahead. And sometimes you just got to take some hits to the chin while you're falling to the ground. And it's a O fucking K. All right. All, all, all right. Anyways, enough of that. I just, I was just lit from having such good conversation last night. So I, when I woke up and my alarm went off, I was like, oh my God, I have a thing that I want to talk about. Working around people's weird beliefs and circumstances under which you do. You know, when you're around friends, friends sometimes, and or you're meeting someone new, you're not just going to come out the gate with some rude shit and start being like, hey, you know what? What you think is stupid. You're dumb. You so dumb. <laughs> you're not just going to do that. And 
that's important for me to say out loud because I have the impulse to do that. You know what I mean? I am getting to a point sometimes where it's like, you know what? Let's just fucking see what happens. I've got nothing to lose here. Why do I even care? But you have to because it's called being socially apt and being aware of your surroundings and certain conflict is just not necessary to cause. And that's just something in me that I kind of, you know, in certain circumstances need to play out because it's just a part of what I do. I just like throwing some spice on some shit and seeing what happens, seeing how people deal. It's interesting. Mm. And just recognizing when it is okay versus when it's not and blah, 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 blah. Interacting, man. <laughs> and I guess the goal in that in that respect would be ideally to be able to execute a soft landing with difficult topics in situations you generally wouldn't even think to land with that kind of stuff in. You know, because the small talk and stuff, it just gets boring and I don't, why am I here? If, if we're the small talk type, I hope we're at work or I hope we're in public because in, per, in my personal life, I don't like that shit. You know, I, small talk is cool with the people you're tight with because if you're going to talk about a lot of robust and, and just kind of loaded topics, the small talk is a nice little pressure valve to just relieve some maybe conversational or colloquial energy that you may have that you may just need to expel, but you don't want to get into anything lofty. Like I'm interested in the small talk of my best friend or my boyfriend because, hey, I like you. I want to know all your little thoughts and all your big thoughts and all the in-between thoughts. But if I don't know you and it's a formality that we have to fucking this weird dance we have to engage in just because we're sharing an elevator or something like that, which by the way, you don't have to talk to people. You know what I mean? But it's also nice when people feel more comfortable when they're stuck in a box with you going up a couple floors and it might stop. It's good to like just let someone know, hey, it's warm here. Don't stand in the cold over there. I'll say, hi, how are you? Look at this weather over there, eh? Look at that weather out there, eh? It's snowing. It's time to get an igloo going. <laughs> or whatever the fuck it is. But, you know. Anyways. Going off on tangents, because that's what I do. Um, let me see what kind of freaking article I wanted to read. You know, all the articles I have pulled up are all about functioning in a relationship, or free will. You know what I mean? Let's see. Why do people show off their relationship on social media? I should open that one because it's interesting. Relax and take good care of yourself. How to get out of your head. Hey, let's do that. Political, actually, no, this is kind of great because I was kind of talking about this today. Um, Let's see. Let's do two, okay? The first one we'll do <clears throat> is called Political Messaging. Emotions win. Exactly. So this is something that I was talking about in just the culture. It seems way more important to people to kind of accommodate 
people's feelings than it is to deal with some very difficult things that people are uncomfortable dealing with. So they distract because or with that emotion. And it's like, oh, okay, not interested in that. And I don't like it. But when it comes to politics, that's exactly what works, right? When it comes to our advertising and anything that we want to get people to pay attention to, it plays on a lot of things that are most important to us that induce the most emotional response out of us, right? So sex or relationships, interpersonal relationships, that kind of thing. Those things are used in advertising, in politics, and it's always about, hey, well, do you want to go with this guy? Well, he's hurting you this way or he's against the people this way. And it's all lies to make people feel like they're not cared about or whatever the hell it is. Man, American political ads are fucking nuts. Over here, they're not nearly as insane, although I have seen a couple and they were kind of like that where it's all like, this guy's like this, this and this. And it's just so gross. Mm-mm. The ads people get made in order to boast themselves up. It's just, ugh. But anyways, let's continue. <coughs> Politics is a dirty game. Political messaging. Emotions win. A successful message tells a story that links your gut to your brain. Motherfucker. It's so crazy. I was just talking about this. Like, there is a very important connection between the brain and the gut. And anyways, tangent again, let's continue. <laughs> As politicians double down on their campaign strategies and flex their budgets in anticipation of the primaries, there's a cacophony of messaging. As I wrote in 2016, it was likely the war, war of words that cost Hillary Clinton the election. It all boils down to the art of storytelling, language, archetypes, emotions, and the ability to tell a story that is personal and relevant. These are critical skills rooted deep in psychology that politicians need to know if they want to seriously compete in the battle of rhetoric and misinformation from politicians, bots, Russians, and trolls. So this is something that Peterson talked about a lot. Um, you know, a good story has has a hero and has specific elements and archetypes that people have understood over the generations and generations over which human beings have told each other stories about other heroes or themselves or things they've made up. The most compelling story has the best of all those worlds and they all they all just mix together and make this amazing story. <clears throat> so, let's continue. Um, but yeah, we do see that our, our inclination towards narratives and stories is huge because that's how we keep track of what's happening with us. We're telling ourselves a story about ourselves. We're telling ourselves stories about other people. And again, it's that associative memory thing, right? To, to kind of help us keep track or make us think we're keeping track of what's happening around us and with us and we like that to be coherent and when it may not always be your brain has this neat little thing it does where it makes it coherent so god of the gaps is not just god of the gaps it's blank of the gaps it's whatever fills the gap to make you feel comfortable with ever with whatever story is occurring but i do digress let's continue Language. Framing is everything. It's much easier to argue what is than what isn't. A frame is the context that you provide for understanding an issue. It isn't what you say, it's how you say it. 
The Democrats struggled with framing issues, allowing Trump to create the positive frame, so they are always having to say, no, it isn't. As political strategist Frank Lutz says, power of the message is in what people hear. The communicator has to understand the mental models of the voters, especially the ones whose opinions they want to change. Communicators need to use the language of their audience. And this is why I think Trump is so incredibly successful at what he does. He uses the language of the audience and the language he uses appeals to a broader audience because it is more simple and it is not as complex as say maybe a higher level politician or person would speak like they're talking to a room full of business partners as opposed to a room full of just regular old people you know what i'm saying If you use words that don't have clear and ready meanings, deplorables comes to mind, it disrespects the audience. The simple choice of a dictionary-worthy word can distance a candidate from voters, making the difference between the candidate and the voter more salient than the similarities. By contrast, everyone knows what a crook or evil is, however inappropriately you think it may be applied. This is what's brilliant about Donald Trump and using things like nicknames because he's so good at summarizing what he thinks of someone in one or two words and it's easy to understand exactly what you're saying or what exactly what he's saying about the person because he's using words that are so commonplace for everybody. You know what I mean? People from yay IQ level to yay IQ level can understand exactly what he's trying to say. <coughs> An emotion-laden picture is what makes a message sticky. Effective communication is built on words that are, one, emotional, and two, can be easily visualized. We have a myriad of cultural images of crooks to draw from, from the Cartoon Network to Marvel Comics. Crooks are a threat. They steal things from you, triggering emotion and an instantaneous image in your brain. An image tied to danger is especially hard to ignore, never mind how stereotypical or ridiculous it may be. They are cultural and universal metaphors. Offense is more powerful than defense in elections. Good strategy means you are prepared for the returning volley and, like judo, can use the strength of the opponent to fuel the counterattack. Attack. This is very cool. I often wonder how much people understand the idea that framing is incredibly powerful because we do that with ourselves and it's not something we give second thought. You know what I mean? It's we want to frame things in such a way where it's most beneficial to ourselves. And sometimes you forget that other people are doing that too. And it's especially prevalent in politics because people need you to see them the way they want you to see them so they can get your vote you know it's a very it's all this is real heavy perception management kind of stuff these people need to be good at painting a picture and the simpler route to doing that is probably what's going to get the most attention because as we just read it plays on the emotions and it's a it's good strategy if you're in that particular spot in life, the po- the political realm, which I'm not interested in being in. Um, perception is something that I think we all play into to some degree. I'm not going to deny that there's obviously a relationship there, but I want to try personally to stay away from 
the perception management area as much as possible. But I mean, again, not denying that's happening, right? Because of course, you're not privy to every detail of my life, which is a form of perception management, even if it's not my intention. But I mean, it's my intention, but not for that reason. But anyways, I'll continue. The use of archetypes. Trump presents a clearly defined and consistent archetype to his followers as a self-proclaimed hero, a champion of the regular guy fighting the government trying to protect the American dream. Never mind that he hangs out with the hedge fund managers, uses his own luxury properties at public expense, won't share his tax returns, or the many other inconsistencies. This doesn't matter. Trump speaks to his voters' fears. Confirmation bias says that we hear what we want to hear to confirm our worldview. We ignore the things that challenge us, especially when we are afraid. The more politicians fire up fear, the less able people will be able to hear anything else. Exactly. Any challengers to Trump need a clear and consistent archetype so that people feel they know them. They need a stronger form of connection, one that is emotional and speaks to instinct and creates a sense of connection. Obama was very good at this. Another powerful example is the Don't Mess With Texas anti-littering campaign featuring icons such as Willie Nelson that triggers a sense of belonging and the need for affiliation across political lines. As I wrote in 2015, Hillary Clinton has long struggled to establish a clear archetype that appealed to the voters. The archetype becomes a North Star for the narratives a candidate tells. Trump is nothing if not consistent. Emotions. <laughs> Here we go, guys. Fear is deeply primal. Betrayal by the system, loss of the American dream, and rapid change all trigger fear. Fearful voters aren't using logic and reason. They are reacting defensively when they feel their survival is at stake. The band-aid for living with fear is cleaving to one's beliefs or following a dogmatic leader to achieve the illusion of cognitive certainty. It's real crazy what taking someone and putting them on a pedestal as some sort of God or Jesus-like character will do will help people affirm the things they believe that should actually be causing that fear response to animate some sort of behavior to either make them think differently or to approach a situation differently to assuage the unnecessary or, you know, unwarranted fear for this kind of situation. Because survival is on a deep level what feels threatened, but it's not. And but that fear really does put you in a position where your your faculties are compromised. Your executive function is compromised. And, and if you're not a sharp thinker already, imagine how much more difficult it makes it when you are struck by fear. So it's very easy to understand how people fall into these things. It's not like I've never been animated by fear before. You know, we all have. <clears throat> For voters already feeling betrayed, the inroads can be made by highlighting the sense of betrayal and transferring the blame. The hero can become a great betrayer or the trickster proposing rules that take away the freedom of the supporters. Those core primal rights. Many voters don't care about social norms. They care about their personal needs, but betrayal is deep and instinctive. Mm-hmm. You know what it is. <coughs> Storytelling. Emotions and images are evoked by storytelling, hence the stickiness of stories. Don't say this is a universal health care plan. Say when grandma gets sick, she will get the care she needs. 
Personalize everything. Tell stories that target voters can relate to. The cleverest slogans in the world won't matter if people don't feel it in their guts. In their guts. <laughs> causes to causes have to wrap around stories. Social media addiction, huh, wrap around. It's funny. Social media addiction stories fueled an attempt to regulate tech companies. It doesn't matter that social media addiction isn't a real diagnosis in the DSM. People believe it's a problem. Watch The Music Man or Hitler to see the pattern. Establish the problem, scare people, then provide the solution. Think about how Trump framed immigration. Murderers and lost jobs make pictures. Human rights and fair are non-visual concepts with no immediacy or personal threat. As the candidates jockey for position, it will be instructive to see which ones can communicate effectively enough to shift the frame and claim the narrative. And that's what's freaky about it. That's really about what it is. Shifting the frame and claiming the narrative. Because that's what politicians are trying to sell you. A context that they're living in. With problems that they're presenting you that they think are problems. That they feel connect with you the most as just a regular person. To, to get the resources they need to do whatever they think they need to do. It's all just crazy. Politics to me is just a big old fucking scam. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's, it's just... All of politics is nothing but perception management. You know what I mean? And politics also is in the business in general of being perceived as something that's incredibly important. And, you know, this is where our morals go to kind of battle each other out. It's the realm of ideas. It's this. No, it's it's perceived as that because that's what the people participating in that game want you to think it is but I just feel like politics is where morality goes to die because as soon as you start trying to tailor what you're saying to appeal to your audience more and not bring them up to a level where certain truths are just difficult to kind of talk about and talking about them and really addressing concerns it's just it's a facade you know um I guess it's, it is definitely good for people to feel like they have something to follow because I think most people like to follow. It's, it's just a thing we naturally fall into following. And it's hard to be a leader. But when someone is perceived to be the strong archetypal leader and like f- fucking 90% of people are followers, it's a pretty easy thing to continue to fuel this whole politics thing you know it used to mean something government used to be the actual place where people sat down like it used to be what was it the greeks right they used to sit around in their robes and they used to talk about moral issues and they used to try and figure shit out anyways that's just how hollywood depicts it i'm just gonna run with it for now but you know um it's a lot different now and the things that fuel the political realm are not the things that are conducive to taking care of large populations um, and really looking at issues that matter. Healthcare, for example, which to me is the biggest one, but I do digress. Politics. It's often why I don't talk about it. It's just a big fucking facade parade and I'm not super interested in that whole idea. Oop. Not 
entirely interested in that whole idea. I want some real shit, and if you want some real shit, the farther away from politics you get, the better. Anyhow, I was going to read an additional article, but I think what I'll do is save that one for tomorrow, just because, um, hey, time is of the essence, and I'm running out of it a little bit. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I need to get ready to go do the work thing and do all that. So, hey, good morning to you. I hope that you're having a great morning if you're listening to this right now. Big, big hi shout out to Banksy and Christian Santiago. I saw you guys in the comments saying hi, asking me how I'm doing. I appreciate you, you big sweeties. All you people leaving me comments and saying hi and stuff and I'm still getting feedback on that vegan gain shit. Dude, I got a message on Instagram a couple days ago in my the inbox it filters through to not be in my actual inbox because thank goodness for that where someone's like you got fucking owned by vegan gains and I'm like oh my god that was like two years ago like who fucking cares I never respond to those and I don't check them until like a week or two later because I'm so absolutely shit at checking Instagram DMs but uh I get them I still get them and uh Hey, cool. I appreciate you taking out the time to pop in and say hi, no matter what it is, whether it's negative or positive. Um, you're either going to make me laugh or you're going to make me smile. And that's how it's going to go. So big, big thanks to you for that. Um, I hope you've been enjoying your weekend. You know, it's been beautiful here. I cannot complain about the weather. And I really, really love it. Um, what else can I say? Hey, get a what mug, yo. Get yourself the mug that everybody's talking about. It's the waking up mug. Okay? Want to be in Good Morning Club? Get a waking up podcast mug. Get a mug. We can be best friends. <laughs> Find me. Everything's in the description. Peekaboo. There I am. It's not very difficult. Anyways, have a great day. Bye. 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 Bye.